Welcome back to another episode of Messages of Necessity, Empire Center's bi-weekly podcast. My name is James, and we're going to start our show once again with a recap of some of the biggest issues facing New York State. Let's get right to it. Gas, electricity, and other utility companies are regulated by New York's Public Service Commission, who took its dabbling in the energy sector to the next level recently when it issued an energy storage roadmap. The roadmap is intended to reach CLCPA goals, and as part of it, the PSC is expected to eventually take steps that will involve paying companies to build storage facilities. Now, buried amongst the roadmap's details is a promise to ensure energy storage projects create well-paying jobs by paying New York State prevailing wage as a contractual requirement. Prevailing wage imposes certain work rules, including pay and overtime, from union contracts on all workers. Now, forcing businesses to comply with New York's prevailing wage prevents more efficient non-union competitors from outbidding them, thus increasing prices. Governor Kathy Hochul accepted the totality of the CLCPA's scoping plan in her State of the State address, including a controversial new program called Cap and Invest, which would cap the total amount of greenhouse gas emissions that could be produced in the state and auction off allowances in tons of CO2 equivalents. There are benefits and drawbacks to the program, of course. Cap and Invest is the most economically efficient method for reducing emissions if well-designed and implemented on a large enough scale. However, a single state that cannot implement border adjustments is likely not this right scale. New York could reduce greenhouse gas emissions coming from the state, but the actual overall reduction in emissions will be considerably smaller due to businesses fleeing the costs. Finally, something that did not get a whole lot of attention during the state of the state, healthcare. There was no mention of seemingly urgent issues in the broader health system, such as staffing shortages and labor turmoil, allegations of neglect and fraud in nursing homes, the fallout of a massive pandemic, unaffordable health premiums, low-quality hospital care, and spiraling Medicaid costs. Now, the governor is due to deliver a formal budget proposal in the next few weeks, and in that document, she has no choice but to clearly address some of these issues, including and especially Medicaid because it represents almost $30 billion in state spending. And there's the quick roundup of some of the things the Empire Center has been looking at this week. Keep listening for a great conversation with a charter school leader and a staff discussion on exactly what's going on with New York's charter school laws. We hope you'll keep listening to Messages of Necessity. See you next time. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another interview on messages of necessity our show from new york and i'm really pleased today to have a important school leader with us this is jay nanda and he is the executive director of irvin dove school in new york jay welcome to the show thank you thank you for having me so i love the name urban dove can we start there can you tell me why your school's name urban dove so I founded Urban Dove as a nonprofit about 25 years ago, and we started doing out-of-school time programs with a focus on violence prevention. So that's where the Dove came from. Um, and so I went on my, you know, desktop computer, my clip art to try and find a lo logo since I was kind of a one-man show. And I found this little Dove with the olive branch in its mouth. And I was like, oh, that's great. And I got some immediate feedback like, oh, are you a Middle East peace process or <laughs> 
And I was like, no, we're urban kids. So I put the urban in front of it to like clue people in. Um, and that's where Urban Dove came from and uh, kind of stuck and the kids liked it. And so we just um, we just let it sit. And then once we started our schools 12 years ago, uh, we just thought we'll keep the name and uh, we're Urban Dove Team Charter Schools and it's worked ever since. That's amazing. So let's talk about the Urban Dove Charter Schools. Okay, so sure. you started these schools with a particular mission, right? And yeah. I'd love to hear what that mission is and why you chose charter schools as being the, the you know, the format. Yeah. Doing this. So as I said, we were an after-school program for a long time, and we had used what's called the sports-based youth development framework, where basically you use sports as a way to not only engage kids, but teach them critical life skills along the way. And that had been very, very successful. And I was interested in trying to figure out how we use that framework in a school model to uh, find gaps Mm-hmm. educational landscape here in New York City. What kids were not being served? Uh, was there anything that we saw when we looked across the 4,000 plus uh, or 1,000 plus schools in New York City and said, hey, this group of kids isn't doing well or that group of kids isn't doing well? And could we create an innovative sports-based youth development school to serve them? And so we went to the Department of Education. We identified 14, 15, and 16-year-old overage undercredited ninth graders, basically kids who have gone to ninth grade and failed to get their 11 credits. And um, we had all of these ideas about teams and sports and coaching. And the DOE said, this sounds like a great charter school, the innovations that you're doing, the population that you want to serve. The DOE just, we didn't, you know, they basically said to me, we we are not serving these kids. We don't have a school like this. We're not really prepared to run a school like this. But if you want to go and do it, that would be great. We would, you know, be thrilled. So um, we worked with the charter school office. Um, we were able to get sign off on all the innovations that we wanted to do. Nobody was serving specifically this population of student. So it was this unique group. Um, their outcomes were terrible, mm-hmm. so this high need. And really, you know, in order to serve high need students in a unique and innovative way, you have to have um, the freedom uh, to try new things, things that may not work, things that no one else has tried. And our sports-based youth development model was certainly that. And so um, we applied for a charter in, in 2010. We were approved and opened in 2012 in Brooklyn and now have a second school in the Bronx. That's awesome. So let's clear up some misconceptions, right? What is a charter school? So a charter school is a public school, uh, just like any other public school in the Department of Education here in New York City. We get our funding from New York State and um we are uh, basically a school as a charter school. We're allowed to break free of some of the rules and regulations that govern how district schools have to operate, even though we're all public schools. And our accountability, um, who we answer to, uh, is straight to Albany, uh, the New York State Education Department, not the New York City Department of Education. And that's because uh, we've asked them for these freedoms. We've asked them to be able to um, do things a little differently. And they've said, in exchange for that, we're going to hold you to these very high standards. And we're going to come and every year visit your school and check your metrics. And so that's an agreement that we entered into, you know, knowing full well and, and are happy to do um, because we want to serve these kids. And we know that we have to do it in a very non-traditional way. And so the charter 
uh, basically takes a public school, frees it from some of the restrictions, um, and creates a little bit more of accountability um, to a direct authorizer. Uh, and you get checked up on every you know couple of years. The charge is only good for five years. We actually have our renewal in the Bronx coming up. So we do a full deep dive into what we're doing and how we're doing. And if we're not doing well, our charter doesn't get renewed. And if we're doing well, it does. So it's different in a few different ways, but but um, you know, these are still New York City public school children that we're serving um, as part of a larger statewide education system. Great. So what kids are eligible to join your schools? And I'm interested, you've mentioned a few times that these are kids that don't do well in the district yeah. schools, right? Yeah. So who's eligible to come to your school and why aren't they doing well there and doing well with you? So in order to even apply to come to Urban Dove Team Charter School, you have to have gone to ninth grade uh, so at, at any high school, private, public, doesn't matter, and uh, not receive the 11 credits you need to go to uh, your sophomore year of high school, 10th grade. So basically students who have failed ninth grade. About half of our students have failed ninth grade once. About half of them have actually failed ninth grade twice. And here in New York City, we call them overage undercredit. Right? So you're still getting older, you're just not progressing in school. And the reason these students generally uh, have such terrible outcomes, and we're talking, if you fail ninth grade, your chances of graduating are somewhere between 25 and 30%, depending on what other risk factors you might have. So just terrible, terrible outcomes. There's tens of thousands of these kids in New York City every year. And generally, there's a couple of key elements as to why they're not finding success. One, they enter high school behind in skills. The average student coming to our school is doing math and reading on about a fifth or sixth grade level, even though they're ninth and 10th graders. Um, you come into a high school that's generally pretty large. You know, even a small high school by New York City standards is four or five, 600 kids. Some of them are two, 3,000. So if you start to fall behind in ninth grade, there's not a lot of bandwidth that high school has to give you the kind of individualized attention that you need. But the other really critical piece and what our model really attacks from day one are the social and emotional needs that our students have. The life skills, uh, the resiliency, the self-esteem, the confidence, um, how to navigate communication, leadership, and teamwork skills. These are often the things that prevent our students from, uh, from getting a setback and then bouncing back and working through it. Um, and you get a couple of setbacks early on in ninth grade. Nobody's there to help you. You don't have the skills to overcome it yourself. And then you just go down a spiral you know, very, very quickly. Um, and so it, it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, for a lot of our students. So we, we address certainly the academic skills. We have two teachers in every classroom, individualized instruction. But our sports-based youth development model focuses on the social and emotional skills. And every kid gets a team and a coach. And we try to you know, make school a positive place for them uh, to undo what's been probably seven, eight, nine years of, of difficulty in schooling. So if it's a public school, how do you manage to get the resources to have that kind of intensity around you know, the, the student? And how do you make sure you have those two teachers in a classroom, et cetera? How can yeah. you do it when the district schools can't? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's, you know, what you choose to spend your money on, right, prioritizing. Um, we prioritize social and emotional uh, benefits of, of students, and so we invest in that. Um, we have a lot of students with disabilities, um, so there's additional public funding that comes with that. And as a charter school, one of the advantages, we are able to do some private fundraising. Um, so we have some donors and some foundations who say, you know, who, who do this work, um, you know, helping at-risk kids and and 
um, are interested in doing it through a school-based model, one with 20, 25 plus years of, of success in the space. So we're able to put a few things uh, together in that regard. Um, and we have flexibility. I mean, that's the other thing that, that charter schools have flexibility to move money around to where it's needed most. I mean, we 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 pay our teachers, you know, DOE plus. Um, so we're not skimping on salaries necessarily, but we can move non-salaried monies to hire a coach. Uh, we actually have 15 full-time coaches. Um, you know, so we can do different things with with our money. Um, as long as you know the books are clean and and everything's accounted for, um, how we spend our money is is um, sort of up to us. And so we can prioritize what do our students need, what you know, and we can change it from student to student. You know, this student may need extra that, and this student may need extra this. So that flexibility allows us to be a little bit more creative uh, and prioritize more effectively what are the resources that our students need to be successful because not all kids need the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So you have two schools right now. Are you yeah. between these two schools covering the need of this ninth <laughs> grade population? And if not, what's what's yeah? The I've, like? Unfortunately, not even close. Um, I mean, our schools are are quite small. Probably the smallest charter schools in New York City at three hundred students each. Um, we had applications in for two additional schools, one in Queens and one in Manhattan. Um, which were essentially approved by state ed, but the charters in New York City ran out, uh, as I'm sure you guys know. So those schools are sort of on hold, waiting to open. Uh, there's thousands and thousands of uh, uh, our students out there with no school to go to. Our schools are at capacity. Uh, we're fully enrolled. And so without the ability to open more schools, um, these students are going to go to ninth grade. They're not going to get success. And they're going to drop out. I mean, that's just the reality. And it's it's really sad, um, you know, not that we help every single kid, but, but to create an option for those students. I mean, that's essentially what charter schools were designed to do, right? Identify these gaps and, and innovatively create ways for an education system to serve all kids. And these kids are, are not being served through no fault of their own. And um, it's just too bad that we're not able to continue our expansion because we know there's students out there um, who need us. And some of our kids travel from Queens and Manhattan to our Brooklyn and Bronx school, but it's not easy for them. And, and, and most kids won't make that trip. So we're hoping that that changes soon, more charters are allowed, and then we can expand our New York City network. And we're looking outside of New York City as well. Okay, well, that's good to know. But let's for the audience, because they may not be aware of why you're all ready to go with two more schools, right? Yeah. You've yeah. got the kids who need these schools and yeah. um, are lined up, are lined up to yeah. enter them. So let's talk about the two issues that are in the way. One, you mentioned that there there are no more charters, right? So tell, right. tell our audience a little bit more about what that means. Sure. So um, there's a cap on the number of charter schools that are allowed in New York State, and there's a sub cap on the number of charter schools allowed in New York City. The sub cap on charters in New York City has been reached. Uh, the subcap, uh, the cap on New York State, there's still charters available outside of New York City that you can open. But the charter school cap in New York City has been reached, despite the fact that there are schools that have charters that haven't opened. There are schools that were given charters that have since closed, uh, what they call zombie charters. Mm-hmm. There's kind of capacity in New York City, um, but we've got really politics at work Um that's preventing these charters from either being reissued or open or having the cap expanded or taking those charters from outside of New York City and allowing them to be inside of New York City. There's really a bunch of ways. 
to make it happen. Uh, but the politics kind of gets gummed up at the last minute every time. And so uh, New York City is still on, you know, a holding pattern for any new charter schools. Yeah. So just so I heard that correctly. Right. There is a limit <laughs> on the number of charters in the state. There's a sub limit on the number in the city of right. the number that have been issued. Not all of those schools are not all of them are matched to an active school. And right. so you have some charter licenses that really could be recycled or reused. Yeah. Um, for schools Reissue, like yours, yeah. right? Reissue yep, for yep. schools like yours. In yep. the meantime, we have the kids waiting. So my last question for you, Jay, yeah. is um, if you had one message that you could deliver to our lawmakers in Albany, <laughs> what would it be? You know, look, I think that, you know, and we've done this, we've spoken to lawmakers. Um, I understand um, that a cap was issued and I understand that that feels um, like something that's being undone. But what I would urge lawmakers to consider is that nothing has to be actually undone. Um, zombie charters being reissued has been done before. It's not even it's not even new. There's precedent for this. And I would urge them to consider that there are young people out there not getting the quality education that is their right. And so if you want to talk about politics and what the law says and what's legally right, a quality education is a legal right for young people in New York City too. And the DOE does a wonderful job of educating hundreds of thousands of students, but there are still tens of thousands for whom those uh, schools and that system is not working. And I think we're doing them a legal disservice by denying them the opportunity to take proven models like Urban Dub and others and allow them to open additional schools to serve, again, these high-risk population of students. And so if we could Put politics aside, and that's really all it is, is straight up politics. Educators all agree uh, that these, these zombies should be reissued. Um, I think we'll see that we're, we're really doing a benefit to the young people and not undoing the political fight because uh, these zombie charters are unused. They've already been issued. Um, and the schools that got them either are no longer in business or not opening them. And um, so it's really not lifting the cap. It's it's just taking what's already there and allowing students to benefit from it, which was the whole point of the charter law in the first place. Uh, it's a really confusing sort of complicated issue uh, in some ways, but at the end of the day, it's quality education for all New York City students, not just some. Well, Jay, I hope that we can work on this together and, you know, there is a certain logic to what you are saying that we agree <laughs> with and we look forward to, to helping everybody understand why this is one that we can fix. Yeah, that would be great. I'd be happy to help in any way. And I thank you guys for the opportunity to uh, to tell folks about Urban Dove. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work, Jay. Thank you. Thanks. Welcome to Empire Center's Messages of Necessity. My name is Emily DiBertola and I'm the Education Policy Analyst. I'm here today with my colleague to talk about charter schools and school choice in New York. Hi, I'm Cam McDonald. I'm the Executive Director of the Government Justice Center and an adjunct fellow at the Empire Center. So as far as school choice is concerned, um, families who can afford it have been exercising school choice for decades simply by where they choose to live. Uh, but for many families who cannot afford to just pick up and move to a new neighborhood that might have a better public schooling system, or for families who can't afford tuition at a private school or a parochial school or otherwise specialty school, um, their options are limited. So for a family in New York who has determined that the public school may not be the best fit for their student, what are those families' options? 
Um, for a lot of families, public charter schools have been the best choice. Um, public charter schools are tuition-free alternatives to public schools that are accountable to the state and open to all students. Um, they typically serve populations of students that are considered high need, whether it's economic need or special needs for education. Um, unfortunately, charter schools are capped in New York, even though there's upwards of 50,000 students on charter school wait lists. So I was hoping, Cam, you might be able to shed some light on the legality side of that. Sure. The uh, charter schools uh, were first authorized in New York in 1998, uh, but it came with a catch that they were limited to 100 schools. Uh, the The reason for that given was that the legislature wanted to uh, monitor the performance of the schools before they authorized any more. So uh, for nine years or so, there were 100 schools. And then in 1998, they doubled the amount to 200, and then in 2010 took a big leap to 460 schools. So um, that meant that statewide in, in New York, and that number's the same today as it was in 2010, across all of New York State, there's a maximum number of 460 charter schools. But the thing about that is there's only about 360 that actually are active. Um, and, and so the cap really relates to New York City. At each sort of version of the law, New York City was was limited in the new number of schools it could get. In 2007, for instance, it could only get 50 of the 100 or of the 100 new schools being authorized. And then in 2010, it could only get an additional 104. So I think there's a 272 schools in New York, and that's basically its um, charters in New York, and that's basically its kind of hard cap. So while there's space in the rest of the of the state for more schools, New York City is capped out right now. Okay. But technically, there there is space for more charters and more demand students on wait lists. So what is the justification for keeping the cap the way it is now? Um, I think there's, I think it's primarily political pressure on, uh, on legislators not to provide alternatives to uh, the public school system, that there's a strong lobby uh, on behalf of, um, of teachers unions and other concerns that don't want to see um, that type of competition. They, they catch it in all kinds of terms um, why there shouldn't be more charters. And, you know, some of it's fair. Not every charter is uh, has a stellar performance record. Some, some are stronger than others. Some um, are weak enough that they've had their Charters revoked by uh, the authorizing uh, authorities, um, and and you know some just just don't make it. Uh, so right now, I believe there's around 20 charters that were issued in the past that are are not active in New York City. Okay, so what do you see the future of charter schools being in New York? Do you think there's a chance that the cap will ever be lifted? Well, I don't know about the cap being lifted. I. Um, how soon that may be, um, you know, in this past uh, uh, governor's race, um, there was unanimity amongst the candidates that the charter schools uh, cap could be raised. Um, but we'll see, I guess. It may be too hopeful to think that something could happen this spring. I mean, one of the easiest things that they could do would be to you know, treat the cap like an actual cap. And when schools, charters are, um, are revoked or terminated, reissue them. So if they did that with the 20 that are already out there, they could get 10,000 students 
off the waiting lists in New York City and and offering them, uh, you know, uh, the educational choice they're seeking. Um, if you think about it, it's not a very large number. Um, there's, it's a small fraction, small percentage of New York City's uh, students, and you know the large percentage are with families who are satisfied with the public school system there. So, it, it wouldn't seem to be that much of a threat to reissue charters for. 20 schools uh, that have previously been issued and at least stay at the cap and then really think seriously about this spring um, raising the cap and and introducing more choice to students in New York. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're answering to families and students, aren't we? That's correct. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming here today, Cam. And thank you for listening to Empire Center's Messages of Necessity. For more news and analysis, visit our website and sign up for email updates at empirecenter.org. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Empire Center.